Hello, everybody, and welcome into the Nick State of Mind podcast. I'm Macasville with Danny Small and Chip Murphy. As we've been taking the last couple of weeks, we've been thinking of different things that uh, we wanted to do with the podcast. Obviously, with the downtime right now of no season, you know, there's been a little headlines here and there, but anytime you look at for some news, some big you know, hot topics. There really hasn't been any because nothing's been going on. So we wanted to try to get a little creative here. We talked about maybe doing like a bracket or something like that, which, you know, maybe we could do at another time. But we, we've seen a lot of brackets out right now and, you know, people doing different things. So we wanted to uh, do something a little bit creative. And what we kind of came up with is a what-if type series. And there's so many different things that we can go from there. Like, what if for example, today we're going to talk about heavily that 2013 playoff series against Indiana. You know, what if Carmelo Anthony had help? You know, how far could that Nick team have gone? Would it have been you know, a possible finals run? You know, then, you know, they did have the second seed in the Eastern Conference that year. Um, you know, it could be the what if we, you know, did it make the Andre Bayani trade, Andrea Bayani trade, excuse me, um, you know, things like that over the next several weeks. There's different kind of topics. Just to be a little bit different than we usually have. So, as I mentioned it before, uh, we wanted to talk a little bit about the what-ifs of the playoffs. Uh, so, we wanted to start from the last time that we were in the playoffs. And it's kind of sad that it's been that long ago. Uh, but 2013 was the last time the Knicks uh, were in the playoffs. Uh, a second-round exit against Indiana. As many of you guys know, Chip, me and you for years have always kind of referenced back to this series. So I think for as much as we talked about it, there's going to be a whole lot of discussion on this one because we always have gone back and referenced something from it. Uh, when we were talking about this, we met Sunday, talked about what can we do moving forward. We started getting into a conversation we're like we're going to have to cut this off before we, you know, we you know, waste all our good content here. I mean, there's so many different angles that kind of look at it. And the, and the big question is, though, what if, you know, Carmelo Anthony had helped? That that big question mark here. And just different things, thinking back from that whole playoff, that whole season in general. Uh, and, uh, you know, Chip, I'm going to start with you. Because, I, like I said, we, we for a while, have always kind of seemed to go reference back to that, that season and then that playoff run that ended so disappointing. This is kind of our time to have a little chance to go into that more and, and – um, you know, dig deeper into that and, and have some fun with it. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because my first what if here uh, plays right into what if Carmelo had had more help. It's what if J.R. Smith had just played well against the Pacers in 2012-13. He won sixth man of the year that year, had, had probably the best season of his career, average career high in points, and just wasn't J.R. Smith. He was just awful out there. His line in the series exactly. – 20, 28.9% from the field, 23.1 from three, 74.1 from the line, 31.9 minutes, 13 and a half points, five rebounds, 1.3 assists. Crazy stat from that uh, series, actually. 
Ray Felton had one more field goal than JR on 20 few, 24 fewer attempts. Crazy stat. <laughs> like, just JR was so bad in that series. And it really makes you think, like, if he had just been anywhere remotely as good as he possibly was that year, really, you have to think like they could have beaten it. Uh, the Pacers. Like, look, game one, they lost 102 95. JR is four of 15, two of six from three. Even when they won game two, 105 79, they blew him out. JR was still three of 15, one of seven on threes, eight points. Game three, they lost 82 71. He was four of 12, 0 of three, nine points. And then game four, which pretty much ended the series, they lost 93 82. He was seven of 22, three of 10 on threes, 19 points. And then game six, which ended the series officially, 106-99. He was four of 15, two of nine on threes, and 15 points. I mean, he'll if he played a million more playoff series for the rest of his life, he'll never shoot the ball that bad again. It's crazy. I mean, he, he was in his prime playing the best basketball of his life, and he shot the ball that bad. I know he's a streaky shooter. Everybody knows that. And that's who he is, that he goes through cold streaks like that. But, God, I, that's one of the – when I thought about what, when we brought up what-ifs in the playoffs and we were like, what if Melo has more help, JR was the help. Like, JR was right. the second-leading the second scorer. He was so good all year long. And, yeah, he's not – you know, he's, it's not a Kobe Shaq thing, obviously. <laughs> he's not that good or anything. But he made a ton of three – that year and he was really good and I don't know man I, it just it, it makes you think like when the guy was that good and they still by the way the guy he was their second best offensive player anyway was that bad and they still only lost in six games like I yeah they still it it still went to six when JR was that bad if he was good could they maybe pulled it off you have to think maybe you know Right. Yeah, and, and I think. Go ahead, Danny. Sorry, not not to cut you off. I was just going to jump in and say it's it's sad to think that you know J.R. Smith, like as great as he was that year. I mean, he deserved Sixth Man of the Year. He was a stud all year, but then he, you know, he didn't show up in the biggest part of the season. But that, I mean, that just goes to show you, like Carmelo, he gets dinged a lot for not winning winning in New York. But the best team they put around him, that was his 2013 team. This was like the best collection of talent. And his second best player was J.R. Smith. I mean, it, was it really Mello's fault? I know there's a ton of things you can, you know, you can slam Mello for, you know, over the years. Maybe, you know, thinking too much about his, you know, his points, things like that. You know, wanting it always to be about him. There's certain things you can criticize him for, but the best team they ever put around him, the second best guy was J.R. Smith. And when it mattered, he was nowhere to be found. I mean, and yeah. I know Tyson Chandler, he was like still, you know, defensive player of the year or whatever, but he was not like, he was not the, the same player he was in 2011 for right. the Mavs. He had already started declining by that point. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's crazy to look back on that series. And, you know, if they win that, how much different is Melo's legacy in New York? Uh, you know, cause even if they lose to those, that heat team, making a conference finals is pretty, uh, pretty big accomplishment. And, you know, biggest thing for, for New York and, you know, the last 20 years. 
you know, and for me, and when I think back to this year in general, I kind of go right from the beginning because I don't know if you guys were like me. I remember going into that season thinking, you know, we have Mello, we, you know, you have, you know, Felton, you, you know, yeah, but these guys, I thought we were going to suck that year. I really did because really? when you look at the roster, yes, when you look at the roster and you see all the veterans on this team, I'm like, these guys are so damn old. Like, are they really going to play? Like, Jason Kidd is like 100 years old at this point. Uh, you know, Kurt Thomas, uh, you know, as you mentioned, Danny, uh, Tyson Chandler was starting to go on a decline, even though he was still great defensively. He's not the player that I'm really talking about here. Um, I didn't even remember Marcus Camby was on this roster, by the way. Uh, you know, I, I just looked at no this Marcus Camby Ken- on this podcast. Kenyon Martin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Kenyon Martin. I'm looking at this as well. That's roster. Kenyon Martin's a guy I always, I always forget. I always forget he was on that team, but he like number he one played overall a decent pick, role. He played yeah. a decent role on the team. Oh, he played very well that season. But I'm just saying in general, like I'm thinking, like Jason Kidd's like a hundred. Yeah. Like I, I just remember going into, and the then season, no one like, knew who Pablo Prigioni was. Like they, you know, exactly. there was, was a lot of guys like that. He was good. or something like that when he, you know, when he came, mm-hmm. he was old. So I'm thinking, my God, this team is like the the AIRP team. I mean, this we're gonna suck. We're gonna fall apart. We're gonna be injured all the time. These old people can't finish out the season. That was my expectations going into that year. I remember that. And when they got off to such a great start that they did, I was like. I was I was just blown away by how well they were playing. I never saw it coming, and you know I, I mean I had, I had a blast with Rasheed Wallace being on the roster. Anytime that he was on the court, I would be yelling at the screen to feed Rasheed. Uh, that was my saying all season long. You know if he had if he spotted up around you know three point line, but never in my wildest dream I thought this team was even going to be that good. Like you know I well Carmelo Anthony bursted onto the scene. I expected to make the playoffs every single year. That was still very early on of him being a Nick and all that. So I, I knew we were going to be competitive, but never that I never thought we were going to win 54 games or so and be the second East, uh, the second seed in the East. Never thought that was going to happen. Um, I guess it just blew uh, my mind first off. I'm sorry, not don't mean to cut you off. I was so just I'm looking. I'm, I'm trying, looking at yeah, the Pacers. I'm trying to see. I'm trying to yeah, see. Yeah, no, did I'm looking. Guys, I'm, did you guys expect this? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm looking at the Pacers roster here. That, remember that like that season was like the coming out of like Paul George. Like remember he he went toe to toe with LeBron. I, mean, I don't know. I mean I'm sure Paul George still de- develops into a superstar. You know like eventually even if they don't win the series. But what happens you know for Paul George if if Melo beats him in this and then you know he doesn't have that whole you know one on one thing with LeBron. He didn't even play well. He even play well yeah. in the series, Paul George. Yeah, yeah. the series. If, if they if the Pacers lose in the series and Paul George, you know, like you know, goes out like that, people are going to say like, oh, well, he's right. a good regular season player. But you know, meanwhile, he makes it into the Eastern Conference Finals, goes toe to toe with LeBron. I mean, I remember, you know, he hit some shot at the end of a quarter, or maybe it was LeBron, LeBron doing whatever it was. It like, yeah, run. they yeah exactly. They yeah. they had that little moment. And that was when I was kind of like, oh, Paul George is actually like, he's going to be a superstar. Like, damn. Right, um, but right, right. Yeah, if the Knicks win, they, he doesn't get that moment. You know, By the way, I forgot I, one. I, sorry, Matt. One good, more you're stat. Good, you're good. Uh, uh, J.R. Smith made nine threes in the series. Chris Copeland made 11. That was <laughs> one more <laughs> stat from the series. Yeah. yeah. That was just one more. I, yeah. 
as I continue to look and think back of his roster, I mean, Steve Novak, never even heard of him. And he turned into one of my favorite players this year with the, you know, the, the Aaron Rodgers, you know, championship yep. belt that he did every time, you know, three-pointer, you know, being from Wisconsin in that area there. And it was, it, this season was like one that I just never seen coming. So now we get into the playoffs and we're, we're talking about that series and we're talking about really the, the main person that needed to be there for Kamala Anthony that disappeared, that was a ghost. And it was J.R. Smith. You know, Chip, you shared the stats. You have shared those stats several times on here. And every time that you tell me them, I get nauseous to this day thinking of how bad J.R. Smith was. I mean, you could have put his face on a damn milk carton. He disappeared. He was awful. And the thing about it was how good he was playing going into the playoffs that year. We, we go back to the opening round against the Celtics, right? He is playing out of his mind right with Camille Anthony. We are killing the Boston Celtics, and I am loving it because they put so much punishment on us for years. You know what I mean? And I'm, I'm, we're returning the favor. We're spanking them. Absolutely enjoying every single moment of it. And then J.R. Smith in game three cannot help himself. <laughs> Turned back to be that dumb J.R. Smith that we all know and sometimes just we love him sometimes, but we hate him a lot of the times, and this is one of the times that we hate him, when he elbowed Jason Terry right in the chin for no damn good reason. I know Jason Terry is annoying as hell, but he elbowed him in the chin, and I'm thinking, what the hell are you doing? Why? And he gets suspended, and you know, I'm, I'm starting to panic at this point. I'm like, now Melo's really going to have to turn into this like freaking superstar and take over by himself and all that. You know, Jr. comes back from the suspension, and that's when he started playing like pure crap. You know, I never made up for his pure stupidity. I, I don't know if a lot of people even remember that, but that's when it went downhill. Right after he came back from that suspension, he was not the same player. And I, I we were laughing about this before because I won't ever forget this. You know, the game that we closed out against Boston to get to that round against Indiana. We were up by 20-something points. We were, we were destroying them. And we blew the lead. Like, it just started evaporating. Kind of like what we see nowadays. Anytime you put a Nick game on, if they're up 20 points, we know they're going to eventually blow it at some point. We've seen a lot of that over the last several years. But that 20-something point lead that we had just started disappearing. And, you know, I shared this with my fiance. Uh, we, we just started dating at that time. And I was trying to be really calm, you know, not show her I'm really a crazy fan and screaming and yelling. I started throwing things at that point. I'm screaming, veins are popping out of my head, neck, and I'm thinking, like, she's probably going to walk out and leave me after this. And I, I'm pretty sure I did put a hole, and I'm looking at the hole right now, actually. <laughs> I'm, that was from, like, seven years ago of throwing something that we are just melting. We hang on, we win the game and all that. But I just remember going into that Indiana series with the big question mark. Can J.R. Smith right the ship? Can he get himself going again? For whatever the reason was, that suspension killed all the momentum of the great season that he had. I mean, the guy was the sixth man of the year. I mean, the guy, if I'm not mistaken, I could be wrong on that, but he was just, he was that important. You know, he was that, that guy that we needed. And he just completely disappeared. And every time you share those numbers, I still, still get sick to my stomach about it. Uh, I'm just, where the hell J.R. Smith went? I don't get how great he was. And then all of a sudden just jumped off the cliff and disappeared. 
and then it was nobody there to help Melo. And as you guys were pointing out, so much slack sometimes goes on Carmelo Anthony. You know, and Danny, you said this when we were talking on Sunday. The shame thing about that series is Melo played so great. And, you know, Chip, you said this Sunday as well. Like, if Melo didn't play that well, we would have been blown out by 30 points every single night. It wouldn't have even been close. We would have just gotten devoured if Carmelo Anthony did not play as well as he did. And then, Danny, you brought up the point that everybody only remembers the block right at the mm-hmm. rim. Yeah. Boy, Hibbert gets the – I mean, he was just perfect. He timed it perfectly, blocked the shot. You know, that was the freaking ball game. And that's what everybody wants to talk about, how Melo didn't deliver there. But meanwhile, he carried the whole damn team on his back just to give us a chance through that. I, I'll tell you what. He had 39 points and he had 39 points in that game. And all people remember is just, you know, Roy Hibbert, who I know he fell off pretty quickly, but at the time he was, you know, one of the best defensive centers in the league. Yeah. It was right after it. But like at the time he was, you know, one of, he was pretty high. He resembles Roy Hibbert resembles the change in the NBA, man. He he is the big man that the game forgot. Exactly. Yeah. But Hey, Melo had thirty. He had thirty-nine points, seven rebounds, like you know, eight for eight from from the uh, free throw line, fifteen to twenty-nine from the field. Like without Melo, they're they're not. The Knicks don't even have a chance at winning that game. Yeah, yeah. And, and like I was saying, like I'm a big LeBron fan, right? And that finals when Jr. forgot how what the score was and like dribbled out the freaking clock. Like I was livid there. But nothing has made me more mad than J.R. Smith of how bad he was in the 2013 playoffs. Like, I just can't get over it. Like, every time a, I see J.R. Smith, I think how he just disappeared. J.R. is a weird place in Knicks history. Because uh, when I think of J.R., even though he had that great season, I think of the Knicks Nuggets brawl. Because he was the one who basically started right, that whole thing right. by, like, dunking and, like, showing up the Knicks. I was at that game. Like, me and my friends snuck, like, right down to the court, like, as it was happening. And like Nate Robinson, Jr. Smith, awesome. Carmelo, Damn. Carmelo Anthony, <laughs> Carmelo Anthony was like the guy who who threw the first punch or whatever. Like there, it was just like a crazy, uh, like a crazy whole thing. And uh, sorry, uh, my FaceTime's going off. Sorry. Uh, yeah, no, there's just a crazy like Jr. Smith, Carmelo Anthony, and then the best year the Knicks have had maybe in the last like 15 years. J.R. Smith and Carmelo Anthony are the one-two guys, which I don't know. Yeah. It's just one of those like weird things where everything comes full circle. It and kills me to talk about this because I fucking love J.R. Smith, but yeah, right. I've grown to love him. I do love yeah. him, but he, 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 I just when I look at him, I just think of 2013 for some reason now, and I still love him. I just cannot believe how he just disappeared and. and yeah, you know, Chip, I don't mean to put you on the spot here, but if you can in just the next several minutes you can find anything. I mean, nobody else really contributed either. It was really just Carmelo Anthony. Do you have any other numbers from anybody else on the roster to show on the top of your head or something like that? Or if you could find that at some point would be great because, I mean, I, I, it's everybody focused on J.R. Smith and rightfully so, but I, I don't recall anybody helping Carmelo Anthony in there. I, I don't remember – Anybody going, oh, yeah, he, at least he's right there battling with it, which is everybody was so bad. 
and the way that that ended was just so disappointing because that season had so much promise. And then you just, if that team just continued to roll through, that was the thing. How far could they have gone? Look, they, I, I'm pretty sure that year they had decent success. They might have won three out of four against the Heat that year. In the playoffs, we have beaten them. Yeah, it, 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 would we have beaten them in the Eastern Conference Finals? No, I don't. I don't think we would have had a trip to the NBA Finals that season. But to make it to the Eastern Conference Finals, as you said, uh, Danny earlier, would have been huge for the Knicks. It would have been one of the biggest things because we had nothing, and then all of a sudden we just have that one year, which makes the next seven years so damn frustrating, right? We we right there. You know, that great season, and we never build off of it. From that point on, it just got worse, 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 until the crap show that we kind of see uh, in the last couple of years, really. Um, it, it just it, – it is the weirdest thing to see this one season so well, but it ended so badly. And then that just that bad taste never seemed to leave them. It just kept getting worse and worse down the season. It's, it's one of those years that – I don't think I'll ever forget because it was just so much fun watching every single night. I don't recall too many seasons of being able to watch 82 games. You know, when they were winning back in the day, you know, I was what, like the 94 finals? I was just born. I was six months, so I don't freaking remember that season. You know, the 98, 99 season, I was five. I do remember some things about that. Um, But again, like I didn't watch all 82 games. That was the first season that I got to watch all 82 games and they just I felt like we were going to win every single freaking night. After a few weeks of thinking this team is going to drop dead by like 2 weeks cuz there's like 40-year-olds on the roster. But I, I just that season was so much fun and it ended so bad and it's so painful to even talk about like all the I I just got a text message from my fiance who's down she's like why are you yelling? Like that's that, that, that brings up this much uh, this much emotion for me up right here. But this this series I'm looking forward to uh, the, the big what if and it kind of started off this way. That 2013 series, like I said, man, was it, it's it's so painful. It's so painful to think about. I, I just uh, that's that's where I'm at with it. I mean, J.R. Smith just disappeared. It's funny that you you bring up kind of like Carmelo Anthony and like not having help and just like it's like it was tough to watch. But with that, I always think of the uh, 2011, the series where they got swept by Boston in four games. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think that was Melo's first year with the team. But Melo, like they're down one, four seconds left in game two in Boston. Melo makes a perfect pass to Jared Jeffries, who is wide open for a layup. And he like got he got he tried to pass it and Garnett stole it and they ended up losing by three. That was like the one moment where I was like, you know, like Melo can't get he can't get any help at all. Because, you know, obviously, I don't think they're going to win that series. I think that Boston team was really good. And Melo, you know, was didn't have enough help at that point. But, you know, that was the one moment because he was he he did everything for the Knicks that game. He had 42 points, 17 rebounds, six assists. And then with the with the game on the line, he passes it to Jared Jeffries wide open. And Jeffries like got nervous and threw the ball away. That was the one where like they weren't winning that series. But it was just like, oh, my God, you can't you can't you can't help out Melo even a little bit. And just, and and that's why I bring up the point going back to the Celtics series that year because it meant so much just to beat the Celtics. Like I had a one of my good friends in high school was a 
a Rondo fan. That was his favorite player. He's a big Boston Celtic fan. And I just, I hurt his mouth all these years, losing to them in the playoffs and all that. And that was my one time to actually get back at him and ride, you know, just make fun of him and, and make him feel the way that I freaking felt. Uh, of course, he laughed at me when the Knicks pooped to bed in the second round. But, I, you know, at least I, we, we were able to eliminate his team there. But, man, uh, I just – that whole season was – it was so much fun. And that's what I keep saying. It's so much fun, but yet it ended so damn bad and just got worse and worse and worse from there. Just – I want to have a season like that in the worst possible way and have that fun again because it's something that I haven't experienced too often. Um, it's it just – Man, I, like I said, I don't think we would have went to the finals that year, but the reach of the Eastern Conference Finals, I think, would have been, I, to be honest, again, going into this season, I don't even know if I had that. Like I said, I, I, I didn't think we were going to be that good. I thought we would make the playoffs that year, but I didn't think we would make it even out of the first round. So my expect, me personally, you know, obviously the expectations of making it out of the first round were exceeded. But at that point of seeing how well that team was, I I don't know. I don't know if you guys agree with me on this. I feel like we should have beat Indiana that series. I think the Knicks were a better team than Indiana that year. And I know they had, you know, as you mentioned, uh, you know, Paul George really in the next round really showed that he was he was emerging as a superstar. And I agree with you. He, he, he was there. But, Chip, you said he wasn't even that great in that second round against the Knicks. To me, and again, if you guys don't feel this way, say, no, no. I think the Knicks were the better team and should have won that series, and that's why it stinks so bad. Because if we lose to the Heat, fine. I mean, they're the freaking big three. There's no shame in that, in my opinion. But Indiana was a team that we should have freaking beat in that year, and that's, that's a big part of the reason why it stinks for me personally. That's just what I think. Yeah, I mean, Lance, like, there's just so many, uh, like, that series to me is always going to be fascinating. Just, and the fact that it was the last time the Knicks were in the playoffs makes it even more so. But, like, Lance Stevenson, who is kind of, like, in the same mold of, like, a J.R. Smith, he outplayed J.R. <laughs> Smith in that series. Like, uh, yeah. it's just, like, so many, so many things broke right year. for – so many things broke right for Indiana in that series because, you know, their star got outplayed by a lot by Melo – but it just so happened that everyone else on their team played better than pretty much seemed like everyone else on the Knicks. Um, but yeah, now that's, that's always, that's always going to be a, a tough one to, uh, to look back on. This is probably the first time that we've actually really, as I mentioned at the, the beginning is we always reference to that, but this is like the first time, that we have gotten to kind of like sit and talk about it, uh, you know, with obviously with news coming through, you don't get to do that as much. You always can think back on things like that, but with this going on, it's nice to kind of get some of that out here as well. But, um, you know, there's other, what ifs. there's other playoff, uh, you know, finals runs and, and some other things, you know, that especially in the nineties and Danny, you wanted to talk a little bit about that, that 99 series against San Antonio. And you had a, an angle that you wanted to take with it. I don't, I don't know where you're going with this. Uh, Chip thinks he knows where you're going with it. I'm kind of curious to hear what it is. So the floor is yours. Yeah. I think Chip knows what I'm going to do here, but uh, I'm saying, so the, what if is a little different from how we were talking about the Indiana series. I think the Knicks actually 
got kind of lucky. And I don't maybe lucky isn't the exact right word because they definitely played well enough to make the finals. But the fact that it was a shortened season because um, some of the, you know, the stuff going on with the CBA or, you know, whatever. So it was a 50, 50 game season. The Knicks benefited, I think, from that because I don't think Patrick Ewing was going to be able to hold up for a full 82-game season plus the playoffs because he didn't even really hold up, you know, all the way throughout the playoffs. He was still banged up there because if you look at that team, like Ewing's one of their better guys, but they really, you know, they were a young team who was ready to kind of go for this this sprint to the finish type thing where, you know, they could kind of – milk as much out of Patrick Ewing as possible and then rely on their young guys like Alan Houston, Larry Johnson, Latrell Sprewell. Um, and kind of the thing I'm thinking, which we can obviously get into if that benefited them, but what I'm kind of like looking ahead towards is if there is, you know, a shortened season next year or something like that, is that something where we could see, you know, kind of a shift in the balance of power just because of, you know, a team being young or a team being able to, you know, just survive like a shortened season or like kind of a, a different season, I guess. Because, you know, I, I doubt we're going to get an 82 game season next year that begins, you know, mid-October. All right. I tell you, I, I'm looking at I, I, some of the stats through that series. I know I'm bouncing back to the 13, but like Raymond Felton game one was 0 for 7. Oh, for seven. Amon Shumpert was the only You're help he had. still on there? I'm still away. I'm moving away. I'm moving away. I'm done. I'm never looking at box scores <laughs> from the series ever again after today. I promise. This is it. This is the last time because I'm just getting upset. Uh, I'm going to move away from that for sure. But, yeah, you know, and honestly, until you just said about the 99 season, I forgot that was a shortened season. I, I totally forgot about that until you just said that. So, you know, and I guess a good thing is people keep saying like, well, if they come back and play, you know, the playoffs now, it'll just have an asterisk on it. Like people won't people won't give it as much credit. No one has done that before. Like, obviously, this is a different situation than, you know, we've ever done because like everything before has been like strikes, lockouts. Like that's what you see in baseball, basketball, these NHL shortened seasons, whatever. It's always about some like labor disagreement. This is different. But I still don't think people are going to put an asterisk on it. Like, if someone wins a shortened season, I think they'll get credit for it. But I just, yeah. I don't know, I wanted to bring that up just because I think it, it kind of parallels with kind of what's going on today. Um, and obviously, I don't think the Knicks are going to be able to take advantage of a shortened season like that and go to the NBA Finals anytime soon. But uh, yeah. I, think, I think it just, it's kind of interesting to look back at that. Yeah, I think you're 100% right. I think if it was an 82 game season i'm not positive that they wouldn't have gone to the finals but i don't think they would have been the favorite i don't they probably would not have they definitely benefited from it um and you know ewing didn't i I thought you were going to go a different way i thought you were going to say what if ewing would have played in the finals i thought that would have been interesting but uh yeah i like that yeah yeah, no, that's obviously another one. But I, that's, like, part of it. Like, they were able to milk him, you know, as, for as much as he was worth to yeah. get to that point, you know? Yeah. Not that he was still Patrick Ewing or anything. You know, he wasn't. It's not like he would have shut down Tim Duncan. Not that Tim Duncan was awesome in that series or anything. He yeah. averaged 14 a game in the finals. But, yeah, the Knicks just, you know, the Knicks couldn't score in that series. You know, it's like 
They scored 67 points in game two. I mean, the game was obviously different then. But, I mean, if they just had one more guy who could put the ball in the basket, if Ewing had had some uh, – if Ewing had just had, had a Patrick, one Patrick Ewing game, if they had somehow – you know, because the Spurs shot the ball 34% in game two. The Spurs played awful offensively too in game two. If the Knicks had just made some shots in game two, now I'm just going a bunch of ifs. But because <laughs> the Knicks were unspeakably bad in game two, like it's it, they had somehow stolen game two if Patrick Ewing had because everybody was bad except Allen Houston in game two. If they had if uh, Patrick Ewing had somehow stolen game two for them, like I don't know, like and they go back. I guess my what if would be if they go back to New York tied at one on one. Like, you know, the overwhelming what if is what if Patrick Ewing plays in the series? Does that change anything at all? You know, I, I guess I, that's what you would have liked to see. Does that really change things? But because, you know, David Robinson was on the decline too. Obviously, Tim Duncan right. was still young. He wasn't quite ready to dominate yet. He didn't dominate that series. But the Knicks just couldn't score, you know, they – the defense overwhelmed them. And I remember watching that series at my aunt's house. She had like this, it was a million years ago. So she had like, it was when the TVs were just like really, they made like super small TVs, like with VCRs inside of them. I was watching it on one of those TVs in Syracuse, New York. Oh my God. And like, it was the shittiest TV you've ever seen in your life. It was so bad, but I was watching it on that. And I, I turned, I used to turn it off when the Spurs would get up and I would turn it back on when I thought like the Knicks would get up. I was so pissed off. I fucking hated Tim Duncan for years after that series. For years, I hated him. Didn't it? Wasn't Tim Duncan the MVP of that series? Uh, I'm not sure he was. I think he was. I'm going back. Like I, I just remember not uh... – it wasn't a very competitive series for the most part. I think what well, we won one game. Yeah. 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 Oh shit, Tim Duncan. <laughs> I was totally Tim Duncan averaged twenty-seven points in that series. I was totally yeah. up. <laughs> I just think it was, wasn't dominant. I was, was like, think I was like, didn't he win MVP? Maybe the game was completely yeah. different because he averaged fourteen points a game, and he was the MVP. This must have been a boring <laughs> ass finals. I'm not telling you that. <laughs> <laughs> he averaged fourteen. Yeah. He averaged fourteen rebounds. I was looking at the wrong thing completely. Oh shit! It sounded yeah, like twenty-seven to fourteen. Yeah, <laughs> twenty-seven to fourteen. average. That, that's insane. God. And then you know, David uh, Robinson was sixteen and eleven in that series. So, oof. well, Terrell Sprewell was uh, our leader in that. He was twenty-six points a game. I pulled it up. Allen Houston was twenty-one points a game. Uh, wow. But yeah. Uh, you know, as we go in further into the 90s here, all I have to say, I'm not going into a whole lot of, you know, big uh, discussion about it, but I always joke about this. The 1994 finals is because of OJ. It's his fault. We were winning that game six, and then he decided to run away in that Bronco, and they cut the game off to the news chase. And when the game came back on, the Knicks lost. Okay. If they would have left it on the television as a six-month-old baby, I was coaching them from my couch, and I was leading them to victory. <laughs> and they cut it off to go to the Bronco chase, and we didn't win a ring. We didn't win a ring. That should have, I should have known I was cursed as a Knicks fan right then and there. We were up, and OJ did it. That's it. That's all I got. That's all I have. OJ, 
OJ did. When you say OJ did it, do you mean he committed the murders, or do you mean that he cost them the next? Cost them the finals. Both. All right. That's both right there. Oh man. That's the. That's the. That's the what if for you know uh, for that topic uh, for you know the 2013 the the 99 finals here and um, I'm sure there's probably more that you know fans that might be listening to this can probably go back further into something you know another playoffs and go what ifs here um, I mean we could probably think of more and do more on this it, itself but off the top of my head the playoffs that I read this 2013 is the one that I want to talk about and I got to and I feel a lot better. I will not look at the stats, though. I promise you guys, it's done. After tonight, I've got it out of my system. I will. I, I just, it's done. Moving on. For the record, I don't have it out of my system, and I'll never stop looking at the stats for that series. <laughs> just so. I'm never letting it go. It hurts so bad. It sucks. Just, I'm just being honest. Let me let me ask this. If we want to continue to have success, right, and we continue to, you know, be a competitive team, make the playoffs, would that year still hurt so bad? Like, if we would continue to make deep runs or something like that, no. Or is it no. just because we haven't had a playoff since seven years after that? Is that why it hurts so freaking bad still? Yeah, that's, that's I think so. I, th- right. I think that's why. Yeah, because we expect I think a, to be a long, deep, a long, deep playoff run will. Uh, We'll we'll go a long way towards uh, towards making that twenty thirteen series feel like a long long time ago. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. You have something to look back on. Yeah, you can. But that that's it. That's what we have to look back on is the last time we were there. And I mean, usually, like you know, there's things, and you know, you guys are just talking uh, mostly about the you know the the nineties right there. And again, I was young, so I don't know everything about that like i i remember very little about the 99 part. i i didn't remember it was a 50 game season anything like that i didn't i just don't remember that stuff i just remembered what i remember about that finals if you ask me is that we just we weren't competitive we we were it was a total mismatch it looked like you know and we, we lost so uh, i thought it was round i thought we got swept but i did see that we won uh one game in that series and you know the playoffs that I remember is that 2013 though. That's that's that was like the first time. You asked me about 2012 and all that. 2011, I barely freaking remember those. Like I don't, and I watched them. I watched every minute. You know the the Mari Stoudemire uh, playoffs where he punched the fire extinguisher and screwed up his freaking hand, almost ended his career right there. Like we could have gone into it, but it's like that doesn't even. Like, I, I kind of figured we were going to lose the heat. You know, it, it's the freaking heat. That, that doesn't stand out. Um, it's just that 2013, I can remember everything about that season. And that's just how much I was in tune and depth and had fun. I mean, I was looking back on Facebook, right? You know, you get those stupid memories and all that. I, I had a memory pop up a couple of weeks back that was celebrating the fact that Knicks were on an eight-game win streak back in 2013. I was like, "What's a win's a, That has to be the last time I got to say that that we were on an eight-game yeah. win streak." They, they finished. <laughs> they finished the season really strong that year. Right. They were. They were. They were so hot going into the playoffs. Yep. They were. They were hot as hell. I mean, and we keep saying they would have. They would have lost the Heat. Right. I, they, it's just. 
they uh, they gave the heat in those regular season games, and I know seven game series is completely different, but right, anything can happen. Kinda, you know, just they the Pacers gave them a gave them a good run. Right, right. I just I again the way that I'll end it with that is I feel like the Knicks should have beat Indiana that year. I I, I think we should have been in the Eastern Conference Finals. And that's why it ended in such a, a disappointing, by a bad taste in my mouth, because I felt like, you know, I knew Indiana was good. They, you know, they were a pretty solid team. I don't mean to take away anything from them that year, but I felt like the Knicks were a better team. You know, Kamala Anthony, obviously more established at that point than the superstar that we've seen with uh, with Paul George, you know, developing and, and all that, that that year. But, you know, it, and then to see Roy Hibbert, was such a big part of that series. But then it just, it, like, as you guys said, he was like the forgotten big name. It all went downhill after that season. It's just, it's so much weirdness that happened that year. It is absolutely insane. But that's all I have. That's all my piece for this episode. I don't know. You guys have any closing thoughts before I uh, I finish it out? No closing argument uh, for me. I had one more about 2012-13. But <laughs> I don't know if you guys want, want to hear it. <laughs> Go ahead. Go for it. Uh, it was just, yeah, just about uh, what if the Knicks had made their threes against the Pacers? You know, they were they, – everybody talks like when you bring up the Knicks 2012-13 team, you talk about like the how they were ahead of the curve with uh, all the three-point shooting they were doing. You know, they were first in the league in three-point makes that year and first in attempts, 10.9 makes, 28.9 attempts. They shot at 38. Uh, 38%, which was fifth. They were probably the best three-point shooting team in the league. Yeah, in that series, they made eight. Yeah, yep. They uh, attempted 22.8 point, uh, per game. Uh, Jason Kidd and Steve Novak were huge parts of, the, of that success. They were third and fourth yeah. in the team's mix that season. Novak was shooting it at over 42%. He was 11th in the league in three-point percentage. I was he so barely mad. got, yeah, he barely got in the game during that series. And, yep. and Jason Kidd didn't score a point in that series. He was, ta- he, I, I don't, I don't know what the deal, uh, well, I do know what the deal was. Woodson, it was a defensive thing. He didn't think that Novak could stay on the floor defensively, but the Knicks couldn't score. So Novak needed to get in there to score. And, Shumpert shot 40% during the regular season, which was probably a little bit of fool's gold there, but he only shot 35% during the series. And even Mello, he shot it at 38% during the regular season, but he was 35% during the series. Right. Yeah, but not that you can blame Mello for, no, no, for yeah. the series. He did all he could. But, you know, mostly, I mean, Kid and Novak, like I said, were a huge part of that success, and they just weren't in there. The three-point shot, that was there during the season that helped them so much during the season. And also J.R. Smith was second in three-point makes on the team during the season. And he was awful during, uh, during the series, shot it at just 23% during the series. As I said earlier, uh, I mean, they just didn't have, basically they just didn't have the three-point shooting during the Pacers series that they had during the regular season. And that's just another reason that they weren't able to win that series. And, you know, I, the Steve Novak, what if Steve Novak 
Novak had played. I'm not going to say what if Steve Novak had played during that series. <laughs> that, that's not a what if, I guess. But what if the Knicks had made their three-point shots during that series? You know, Chris Copeland got in the game and made threes. He was 11 of 20 in that series. He was hot during that series. But maybe Mike Woodson felt like we, Yeah, maybe Mike Woodson felt like he didn't need to play. Yeah. Maybe Mike Woodson felt like he didn't need to play two three-point shooters. I don't know. But the Knicks just didn't make threes in that series like they did in the regular season. So, And I, I felt that was worth mentioning that because, you know, Mello was the only guy who lit it up. And if they had hit a couple threes when they when the rest of those shots weren't falling, you know, the threes weren't falling for Shump. Uh, if they had been falling for Shump, uh, you know, maybe this again, maybe the series goes a different way. And obviously, if they've been falling for JR just a little bit more, now it's just another another thing. Yep. Again, I just think we were the better team that series, and just so so many things they did well that it just it all went to crap. It, it just, um, you know, it could have been the you know JR Smith kind of just again disappearing. You know, maybe if he stays hot and continues to play, it kind of it's like it's like a domino effect. Once somebody started struggling, it seems like all these other role players weren't doing what they were, you know, doing all season long. Uh, you know, Mello played great, but, I mean, couldn't beat him himself. I mean, Indiana was too good of a team for Kamel Anthony to take on by himself. And that was a lot to ask for. He played great and kept us in the game. Uh, but we'll leave it at that. We'll be back next week with more of these what-ifs. I've been very, you know, we have we planned out a lot of different uh, what-if kind of scenarios, again, with draft picks, uh, free agent signings, trades. So we'll have more of this kind of series coming up. I've been very excited about this. Uh, so I, I do think this is something that uh, our you listeners will enjoy. And, um, again, I encourage you to reach out to us on our social media. Maybe you have a, a big what-if in a playoff, uh, something that's on your mind, maybe something about these the series that we talked about in this episode. Reach out to us using uh, the NYKSOM podcast. On Twitter, we also have the Nick State of Mind podcast page on Facebook. Share some of your thoughts there. Encourage you to do so there. But with that being said, we'll wrap this one up. We'll be back next week. Thanks for listening. <laughs>